If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the, is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to um, Sunday service. Um, even though we've been travelling for a, a while now doing this, uh, it's great to know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, that we will be getting back together in, in a number of weeks' time. Uh, and even before that, uh, we're likely to have some of our different ministries running in, in different formats. And so uh, please uh, keep your ear to the ground for those as well. And But it's great to see God at work. And, um, and that's what we, we're going to keep talking about today as we keep talking about experiencing God experiencing God in his fullness and, and how our relationship with that is such a key to him. Um, a fortnight ago when I spoke, we talked about how God pursues a love relationship with us. And that idea of pursuing us is such an important thing because all of a sudden what we come to realize is that God is passionately wants to love us and wants us to love him. There is a passion which God seeks after us. And, and in that relationship that we have with him, all of a sudden the door is open for us to experience God in his fullness. It is not about going to church every Sunday and following the Ten Commandments. Those things, they do come into what we do, but they come out of our love relationship with God. And so if we mix those things up, all of a sudden we do Christian life. We, we do follow God rather than saying we love following God. We love living the life that God has for us. And so we're going to explore that idea a little bit more today. Um, again, if you've missed uh, any of the past weeks, feel free to flick back up and, and check them out as we've been on this journey now for a few weeks and, and discovering and experiencing God. Well, as I said just a moment ago, we, we have been looking at this idea of pursuing um, God pursuing a relationship with us. And today I want to look at the fact that um, how our, our love for God and that loving relationship with God leads to invitation about being a part of what God is doing. Um, and as we remember, as we looked in the first week, how God is at work and we must join him there, basically that comes through that revelation that we get from God as we are in relationship with him. And so the first thing I want to look at today is the fact that we know God through experience, by experience. Uh, and that becomes a really important thing is that sometimes um, we, I suppose, can get to the point where we've gone to a Bible class or two, we've gone to Sunday school, we, we've read a book about God, we've even read parts of the Bible and we get, yep, I know who God is, I know the knowledge I have about him. But basically what we need to realise is that it is about knowing God and in that experiencing what he has for us. You will never be satisfied 
with just a knowledge about God. It will never satisfy you. And that's why so many people that uh, they are involved in religious studies and have studied probably way more than I ever, ever have about God and the Bible, because they don't have a personal relationship with him, that knowledge will never bring satisfaction. And they'll explore other religions with the same passion they explore Christianity. Um, so it comes through knowing God that we are satisfied. And knowing God only comes through experience as he reveals himself to us. That becomes a really important thing because, and we're going to look at this a little bit later, because sometimes we get to the place where we think, I can go find God. I can discover what God is doing. And what we need to realise, as we said a couple of weeks ago, God initiates everything. And so when God is wanting us to get involved with his will and his work, he will show us, he will reveal it to us. It's through our experience, um, God continues to reveal himself more and more and more. And I'm sure you found that in your own Christian walk. For those who have been a Christian for even a small period of time, as you walk with God, you will experience something new. Now, it may have not been new for everyone else, but it'll be new for you. And you'll go, wow, I didn't know God was like that. I didn't know God did that for, for, for me. I didn't know God was, was working that way in our world. I had a different idea. And, and as you experience him more, you come to, to know him more and more and more. Um, and even we look at our Bibles, and this becomes really evident through our Bibles because the Bible is full of names and descriptions of God. And so as the people of God encountered God in a new way, they would give him a new name or they would describe him in a new way because this was their way of building up their their experience of who God was. And that was a reason that they, their parents of them were meant to instruct their kids, say, hey, do you realise what God has done for me? That is the God that you follow. Um, God doesn't want us to have to learn everything from scratch for ourselves. He makes it really clear in the Bible. And we need to get to a point where we trust it for ourselves, but the information is there for us to, to walk into that relationship that way. I just want to share a really brief list um, that you can throw, um, that you can have a look at. Now, when I say it is a brief list, I mean a brief list of some of the names and descriptions of who God is. First of all, a faithful God who does no wrong, a mighty fortress, creator of heaven and earth, a shepherd, Alpha and Omega, author and perfecter of our faith, saver, saviour, redeemer, king of kings, lamb of God, spirit of truth, spirit of life, advocate, the helper. See, this list is just a fraction of the names and descriptions that we find in the Bible about who God is and then and describe his character to us. See, what we also need to realise in this as, as we, we know God through by experiencing him is that God wants us to worship a personal God in a personal way. He wants to be known and he, he can be known. We need to realise that God is not sort of some sort of foreign concept that we'll never totally fully understand. God wants to be known by us. He wants us to worship in that personal way where I am praising the God who has done that in my life. When I sing my Redeemer lives, I am saying my Redeemer, the one who has redeemed me, he is alive today and I celebrate that. When we praise his name for what he has done in our life, we're not talking about just what's happened in the Bible or is this for someone else. God wants us to express how God has done that for us. And so we need to be able to sort of worship a personal God. And so, again, this relationship becomes this key that we need to look at when we take this journey to experience God. 
So we need to know God by experience. But secondly, what we need to realize is that we love God through obedience. We love God through obedience. What, what that means is that when we, we show our love by, to God when we do what he, asks us to, to, what, he, what he asks us to do. When Jesus says this and we say yes, we are saying, God, I love you. God, I trust you. God, we are in relationship and I'm willing to move where you want me to move. This becomes an important thing and trust becomes such a big part of this, but we need to understand that it comes in the place of relationship. I know for some of you, you have probably worked very hard at your religious life, doing the things that are expected of you either by your parents, um, and that may go on from even to the time you are uh, an adult, the fact that my mum and dad told me to do this and I've always done it. You may be sort of um, been taken instruction from your culture. You may have taken instruction from your pastor, whether it's me or someone else, and go, that's the thing I must do. But what we need to really understand, God is not asking us to be religious. He's asking us to be in relationship, and those other things flow out of that. If we put them in the wrong order, if we are obedient um, when it, out of duty, and you can see that. You see it in so many places. You, places. you see it in your workplaces. You see it in your homes where you begrudgingly will do something because I've got to do this because mum and dad has said or my wife has said or my husband has said or my boss has said or the police officer has said and I've, I've got to do it out of duty. But God says, no, I, I want you to obey me out of love. And so we've got to get those in the right order. Otherwise, we, are, we actually imprisoned ourselves to a religious life rather than freeing ourselves in relationship. John 14, 21 says, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. You see that in the verse. Whoever has my commands and keeps them loves me. It's, it's, no, it's really clear that once we understand what God wants us to do and we do it, we say, God, I love you. Oh, God, you want me to speak to my friend over there? Yes, I will. I love you. I love, I love what you've done in my life and I'm going to share that. God, you want me to serve in this way in the church? I love you. God, you want me to give this money to this person in need? I will do that because I love you. God, you want me to give up something? You want me to give up a job or, or, or position? Or God, I will do that. Why? Because I love you. See, this is what we need to realise is that when God asks us to do something, we've got to understand who he is in, in the asking. Because if we don't, all of a sudden we, can, we go back to that we begrudgingly. We do it out of duty. We do it because we have to. And even get to the point of saying, God, you know what? I don't really want to do that. I don't enjoy doing that. But what we understand, or we think we've got a better way. But what we need to understand is that God is love. God loves us, and so all his actions towards us are really based in a loving motive. I, I can't truly say that for me, because I, I act selfishly at times. I act for my own personal interest. God always acts in a loving way for what he knows is best for us. And that's what we've got to realise, is that because God is love, his will is best. It's always best. There's no question about it. Have you ever asked God to give you alternatives when it comes to obeying him, so you can choose the one that best fits you. God, God, you said that you want me to do this one specific thing. Can I sort of, how about we, we give me, you give me a choice of five and I'll pick the best one out of that. 
But God, why would we even come at that with that option? Because God knows what's best for us. Why do we do that? If we truly believe what God asks us to do is from a loving place and it is best for us, why do we question and, and ask for other options? So God is love and his will is best for us. Secondly, his direction is always right because God is all-knowing. God is all-knowing. He never sort of goes, oh, I'm not really sure what to do right now. I'm not sure what step to take. God is all-knowing and therefore his directions are always right. Never one does he get, get it wrong. I'm sure everyone out there, I am positive this, that everyone has made at least one mistake in their life. At least one. Most of you are looking around the room you're in right now, and if you're not and you're looking in a mirror because you're by yourself, you probably can look in the mirror and you probably can count more than one quite easily. But let's just leave it at one to begin with. But with God, his directions are always right. And so if God says, I want you to do this, there's no doubt that it's going to be correct. There's no doubt it's going to be correct. Whenever God gives a directive, it's always right. And this is the thing we need to realise. God doesn't ask for our opinion on what is best for our future, for our family, for our church or for our country because he already knows. Do you realise that? That when God gives you a direction, he's not waiting for you to say, well, let me get some feedback from you and I'll get you involved in the conversation. God actually knows what is best for us 100% of the time. And you add that to number one, he does it in a loving way. So God actually knows what's best for us he, uh, and he wants us to do it because he loves us. But thirdly, God can enable us to do his will because God is all-powerful. That means when God says, I want you to go this direction, I do it because I love you. When I want you to go this direction, I know it is, is the best place for you. And thirdly, when I want you to go this direction, I can help you do it. This is what we need to realise. We need to come to a place where we can actually respond positively to the commandments of God. And see, commandments or commands or rules or regulations, whatever you want to call it, a lot of time, and I don't know if it's an Australian thing, but we, we don't react well when we get told what to do. But again, when we come back to God and we come back to a relationship with God and we realise that God is asking us to do things because he loves us, he has the best path for us and then he can enable us to follow us, we actually need to say, oh, fantastic for the law that you have given me to follow, for the instruction you have given me, for the command that you want me to follow along with, for the steps and the journey you want me to take right now. Thank God for that. And I think if we realise that there's all of a sudden we can get to a place where we can respond positively when God asks us to do something, not begrudgingly. Deuteronomy 10, 12 to 13 says, And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. This is Moses speaking to the people of Israel. And in that, what we see in that verse is we see that fear the Lord, which is an awe-inspired respect for who God is, to worship him in the true sense of the word, to walk in obedience, so obedience, to love him. Now, we love God through obedience, so those two are connected. To serve the Lord, well, that comes back to, to actually serving, obeying with love. And then it says, 
with all our heart and with all our soul, with our whole being, we want to follow along with God. And then again it says, and observe the Lord's commands and decrees. So again it comes back to obedience. Deuteronomy 32, 45 to 47. And when Moses finished reciting all these words to all of Israel, he said to them, Take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day, so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of the law. They are not just idle words. They are your life. And by them you will live long in the land that you are crossing um, the Jordan to possess. Take that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of the law. So often we can get to a place where we, we are instructing our kids and the kids, our kids don't realise that we are trying to instruct what is best for them. Oh, when you're learning to drive, drive on the left-hand side of the road. It will be best for you. Oh, when you are doing this, try not to put your, don't put your fork in the toaster. It's not the best thing for you. And the same way God has given his instructions, but this is, this is why he's done it. So again, sometimes we feel the burden of instruction, the burden of command. But again, let's come back to really clearly to say why God has done this. They are not just idle words for you. They are your life. They are your life. Do you look at the commandments of God in that way? Or do you see them as an inconvenient sort of necessity to life? See, if you look at the second way, yeah, following God's commands are always going to be tough. But if we understand the value of them, if we understand the, 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 the love that God has put into them, we will too will understand that they are alive. See, the foundation for these passages is the love relationship. Again, going back to that, I'm going to be emphasising that a lot. When you come to know God by experience, you will be convinced um, of his love. And when you are convinced of his love, you can believe him and trust him. And when you trust him, you can obey him. And when you love him, you have no problem obeying God. 1 John 5, 3 says, This is love for God. Obe- for this is love for God. Obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Again, we've been talking about that already in the sense that when we follow God in love, when we're obedient in love, all of a sudden doing God's will actually enhances our life. Now, Marriage is is an example I'm going to use to prove this because marriage in its fullest sense is not restricted or inhibited in any way by this command. Do not commit adultery. God is saying don't do something. Now for those out of there who go, I don't like being told what to do, think about this. God has designed marriage for us. God has actually then sort of said, if you do this thing, it will damage your relationship." And so when God says do not commit adultery, it is the opposite of hindering us. It is actually to protect and to free us to experience love at the human best. So you see God's instruction, God's command that is best for us, it's done because he loves us and it will bring us to the best possible place. It's not meant to be a hiccup for us. As I've already been saying through this, what we need to realise is that obedience is our outward expression of our love for God. Our obedience is our outward expression of our love for God. Now, as we do this, what we need to realise is that 
When God reveals himself to us, as he shows himself to us in relationship, that becomes an invitation for us. And there's two factors we need to realise in this. We must be in a loving relationship with God. That's, 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 we've said that right from week one in this, is that you need to be in a loving relationship with God. And again, I'm just going to pause for a moment. If you don't understand what that means or you're not sure if you are or you want to find out more about it, please contact us over Facebook or you can find our contact details and give me a call because this is necessary for us to build on all this stuff. If you come to church every single week for the rest of your life or once we get back into church, that will not enable you to experience God unless you are in relationship with him and God desires that for you. So if you want to be finding out more about that, please contact us. So that's the first factor is that we need to be in a loving relationship with God. But God must take the initiative to open up our spiritual eyes so we can see what he's doing. One of the stories of the Bible, that it's, it's one of those really cool stories, and again, I love the, the history story of the Bible, but uh, Elisha is the prophet that followed after Elijah, and Elijah did amazing things, and Elisha did double what Elijah did. But one story, Elisha is, is basically, he's found out, he keeps telling the, the, the king of, of Judah, that the, or the king of Israel, that the, the people, the bad guys are coming to get them, and so he keeps springing the traps before they happen. And so all of a sudden, the, the king of uh, Aramea um, basically says, who's, who's causing this to happen? Who's letting our, our, our details out? And they sort of said, it's not us, it's Elisha. So they said, let's take care of Elisha then. And so what he does, he sends his army, he surrounds the city that Elisha is in and, and or household that he's in. It's not really a city, more of a, a walled household village kind of thing. And Elijah is up on the wall and he's quite calm and his servant is up there and his servant is looking out on this vast army that is surrounding them and going, Elisha, uh, what are we going to do right now? And Elisha says something along the lines of, goes, well, hey, we actually outnumber the people out there. I can just imagine the servant going, one, two, one, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, oh, 10,000. Um, Elisha, your maths is not quite adding up. And so Elisha prays a simple prayer. He says, God, help my servant see what I see. And all of a sudden, the, the heavens are filled with the armies of God. And all of a sudden, the servant realises that God and his armies on our side was already doing something that he was unaware of. And, of course, the story goes on. The, the army is actually blinded. Elisha actually leads them into the enemy city and, and, and basically they are captured, they are fed, and they are sent home. And so God was doing amazing things, but the eyes needed to be open for that. And this is what, I suppose this is the point what I'm trying to say is that we need to ask God to do something in our life so that we can know and see his will. It is not about us discovering it. Have you ever heard the, some, that statement? People go, oh, I'm taking a trip so I can go find myself or I'm taking some time off so I can find God's will or I'm going to sort of find the meaning of life by climbing Mount Everest. It's all about what I can do. When it comes to God's plan, God's will, it will always be from him. And so if you want to know God's will, you need to ask him for it. You need to seek it from him and let him show it to you. Uh, and the thing is, he wants to reveal it, and he will reveal it through a relationship with him. Um, so that becomes really important for us to understand. So as I wrap up today, here's a question I want to ask you. How do we know where God is working? 
How do we know where God is working? We're going to be talking more and more about this, but I wanted to give you a little bit of a framework for that as we finish up today. Because we can be reluctant because of our uncertainty to act where God is working. Because remember, there's an invitation. Where God is working, we should join him with us. And we get to that place where all of a sudden we think, oh, God, is this where you're working? Do you want me to join with it? And we let that opportunity go. And by the time we actually get confirmation, the time is gone. So we can miss that opportunity that God has put in front of us. And so we need to get into a place where we have a tender heart which will be ready to respond um, to the slightest prompting of God. I remember a really great story that I read in um, the book called Reese Howe's Intercessor. And Reese Howe was a, a man of God that really sought God in prayer, had a very intimate relationship with him and um, did amazing things uh, through the war, World War II and, and the Welsh Revival um, uh, during that time and mission work. But one story is really, it wasn't a, one of the, the, I suppose, the most significant stories, but it was a, a story of obedience. And basically he um, was leaving for the train station. In his pocket, he had the exact money to pay for his ticket. No more, no less. And as he left his home, he found there was a, a, an envelope in his uh, mailbox and he put that in his other pocket. And he went, and I'm not sure exactly how it played out, but somewhere on his way to the train station, he felt the prompting of God saying, you need to give your money to that person for this reason. And again, so the logic starts kicking in. Um, but God, I need this money to get on the train to get to where I need to go. But God says, just trust me. And so he, he basically handed his money across to the person for the, that specific need that God had been prompting him to. Now, this man actually, Reese House continued to, to go to the, um, the railway station, understanding, much like Abraham, that, that God would supply. And as he got to the, um, the railway station and, and asked for his ticket and they told him the price, he remembered the envelope that was in his pocket. He opened that and the exact amount of money that was needed for the ticket was in that envelope. And so, again, we need to be in that place where we are willing to act in those small things before we are willing to act in the big ways. Um, so, you can, again, you can see the importance of growing in your relationship with God rather than doing better for God, to work harder, to, to do... It's about being in that relationship and trusting him. So, a few questions as we wrap up. How is your love relationship with God? We've been talking about that a lot today. How is your love relationship with God? I suppose I could ask it this way. What things do you love more than God? Do you love your own control more than God? Do you love your own um, things more than God? Do you love your own comfort more than you love God? Because, again, if you love any of those things more than you love God, it's going to make it hard for you to have that intimate relationship with him. Are you in a place where you can see God's revelation to you? Are you in, in God's word and you can hear him speaking through the Bible? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you, are you connecting with the church? Are you being in the places that God wants you to be so you can hear from him? If not, it goes back to that question. How is your love relationship with God? How are you at expressing your, your love to God through obedience? What happens when God asks you to do something? Is it a yes? Is it a maybe? Is it a not yet? Is it a never? Because, again, anyone except for yes is saying, God, I don't love you as much as something else. It may be not saying that we don't love God, but there's something that we love higher. And so we will truly show our love when we obey God when he asks us. Because, again, when God asks us, 
It is the right time and place and the right situation. Every single time. Why? Because God knows, God loves, and God can enable us. So if God asks you to speak to someone about your faith, God knows it is the right place, it is the right person, it is the right time, and God will enable you to do it. And if you say no, there is something you love more than God. If God asks you to leave for the mission field and you have got really logical reasons for, for not going, you are saying, God, I love this over being obedient to you because our obedience is the way that we express our love for God. I suppose a story, and again, looking at that idea that we want to see God at work and we want to join him where he is working. One illustration I just want to wrap up with today is that not all the time, but enough to recognise it, is that our kids um, at times will see us at work and they will come up and say, is there anything I can do to help? Again, not doesn't happen as often as I'd like. Um, and sometimes it's more I've got to do the requesting or the demanding for, for work to happen. But in those times where my kids click on that and they go, Dad's doing something or Mum's doing something, maybe I can do something to help. It is a way that they express their love for us. In the same way, we can say to God, hey, God, I see that you're busy doing this. Can I help? Can I be your partner? Can I work with you on this? Can I, can I love you by saying yes to you in this time? And that becomes so important because when we understand that God loves, God's love for us brings us into invitation to do his will and we show that by obedience, it becomes a great pathway for us to experience God. And I hope this week as you um, continue to grow in your relationship with God and, and, and actually express your love for the God who loves you to an um, amazing amount that you will experience him in new and great ways in this coming week. Um, look forward to catching up with you in the week. Uh, I pray you've been challenged today as you've met um, through this time and through the testimonies and, and your prayer time together. And um, we'll catch up with you in, over, over the coming week. Goodbye.